Shortly after moving into their new home in the country, the Dandy family realized they were being stalked by something lurking in the dark forest behind their house. They began to see and hear strange things, whispers from the haunted woods. They always felt like they were being watched from the tree line. Who was out there and what did they want? They felt the best course of action was to avoid the woods altogether. But unfortunately for the Dandy family, it was about to go from bad to worse. When they realized whatever had been lurking in the forest had followed them home and was now inside the house with them. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This episode, we are discussing the notorious haunting of the Hinsdale House in New York. And it is crazy. Are you ready? Remember to subscribe to the Avery After Dark YouTube channel. I post all these episodes on there. Link is in the show notes. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know your favorite episodes so far so I can do more of those. I really appreciate the support. You guys are the best. Now, uh, yep, it's time to get spooky. Our story starts with Clara Dandy and her family. They had been living in Buffalo, New York, but were really wanting a change. Clara wanted to move her family somewhere more peaceful, escape the hustle and bustle, and she could think of no better place than Western New York. The family was familiar with the area as they had vacationed there for years and really admired that rural charm. Clara noticed that when her family was out in the country, they seemed to get along better. So she made the decision to start looking for a forever home for her family. In 1970, Clara and her husband Phil met with a real estate agent. Clara told her exactly what they were looking for, somewhere quiet, lots of land, and this realtor suggested a house that was for sale in Hinsdale. And the listing really intrigued Clara. Hinsdale is a quaint small town, Everyone knows everyone, with a population of just over 2,000 residents. And when they first pulled up to the home, Clara said she was immediately overcome with a sense of peace. The White House sat on eight acres of land and was over 100 years old, constructed in the 1870s. It had most of the original woodworking intact, and plenty of space. Clara and Phil's children, 13-year-old Tina and 14-year-old Mike, toured the home too and were really excited about the house. They were looking forward to this move, and they really liked that this house backed up to a forest. Dense wood surrounded it. It felt like they were in the middle of nowhere, and they liked that. The dandies toured the rest of the home and loved it. They said it was glowing, warm, inviting. Clara said that it felt like she had finally come home and that the air there was like breathing champagne. The only part of the house that she seemed to be uncomfortable with was the crawl space. It was right underneath the staircase. It was larger and used for storage. The real estate agent opened up the door and Phil and Clara were actually surprised to see there was a brick fireplace inside of the crawl space. When the realtor showed them this part of the home, Clara said she got a funny feeling. She brushed it off thinking that she just wasn't used to this kind of layout. Clara said there was nothing in the home's appearance to warn of what was to come, saying, how could we have known the house formed a door to another world? The dandies felt like this was it and put an offer in on the house. And in the coming months, the family packed up their place in Buffalo and made the move to the Hinsdale house. Phil kept his job in Buffalo and was planning to commute to and from for work. Those first couple weeks, things were going really well for the family. They were extremely happy, enjoying the quiet country life. Their new house was so serene, until it wasn't. A few weeks after moving in, Mike met up with some of the neighborhood kids. And one afternoon, the group began exploring the woods behind the home. 
This was all his family's property now, so Mike really wanted the neighborhood kids to show him around. That afternoon, they were walking through the woods when suddenly the group heard the sound of leaves crunching in the distance. These woods were pretty isolated, so the group was shocked. They looked up and saw a teenage boy walk straight past them. The guys see he's carrying what appears to be a shotgun over his shoulder. Mike yells out, hey, this is private property, who are you? But this teenage boy doesn't acknowledge the group and continues walking. The guys call out to him again, hey, what are you doing out here? The teenage boy just kept walking. So Mike and the guys start to follow him, wanting to see where he goes. And the closer they get, they see that this boy looks transparent. That's a ghost, one of the guys says. And they watch as this teenage boy walks down a hill and then disappears, vanishes. Mike said there was no rational explanation for any of it. The group of boys run back to the house to tell Clara about this, and she doesn't know what to make of it. A few weeks later, she had forgotten all about Mike's experience in the woods. And one day, Clara went out to walk the family dog in the forest. The two were making their way along, when strangely, Clara said she suddenly felt surrounded by something and began to hear the sound of faint music, like a Gregorian chant. For those of you who aren't familiar, Gregorian chant is a form of sacred song, a melody of one note at a time. It began during the Middle Ages in Europe and was the music of the Catholic Church. I actually listen to the Gregorian chant quite often, at my home before falling asleep. It is really beautiful and really powerful. And evil spirits hate it, so if you ever want to ward off anything dark in your home or wherever you are, turn on the Gregorian chant. So at this point, Mike had seen the teenage boy in the woods, and now Clara has had this really strange experience out there as well. Mike wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on in this dark forest behind his new house. His mom had told him about what she felt and heard out there. So Mike and the neighborhood guys again head out into the woods and want to see if they can find where the music could be coming from. They get pretty deep out there to the place where Clara said she heard the music. And at this point, the boys believed that these woods were haunted. So they close their eyes, trying to meditate to see if they can hear anything. They stand there for a bit, and nothing. But then, suddenly, to their left, they abruptly heard what sounded like the thud of an axe. Then, a woman's blood-curdling scream. The guys are freaked out and take off running back home. Mike tells his mom about what happened, and she tells him to stay out of the woods. Whatever it was, she didn't want to know. But they kept hearing strange sounds, seeing things. When interviewed, Clara said at this point she knew something was really wrong, but she believed as long as they avoided the woods, they would be fine, and whatever it was lurking in that forest would leave them alone. But Clara was wrong, and it was about to get so much worse. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. Clara then begins hearing strange sounds inside her house, noises she can't explain. One day, she was sitting in the front room reading a book. She was home alone as the family had left for the day, and it was beautiful out, so she had all the windows open, the breeze blowing in. She sat there reading, then bam, she heard the windowsill slam shut. She jumped up and walked over to find all the windows still open. Then, a week or so later, the family had gone to sleep for the night, when in Mike's room, board games he had stacked on a shelf above his bed came flying down on top of him. He called out and his mom came running, and she was beginning to fear that whatever was lurking out in those woods had followed them and was now inside the house with them. 
Claire was scared, so she turned to her faith. She went in and met with Father Al, a Catholic priest at a university near Hinsdale. Father Al specialized in helping families who were dealing with the paranormal, demonic forces. She tells him about the activity in the woods and now inside her house. Father Al believes this was the work of a poltergeist. This type of entity is a type of ghost that will cause physical disturbances, such as loud noises or objects being moved. He is convinced that's what it is, but Clara isn't so sure. She felt like it was more than that. Like whatever was behind this was bigger than a mischievous ghost. She felt it had strong motive, intelligence, and a power to stalk her family. The next day, Father Al visited the dandy house and performed a mass. He felt that this blessing of the home and the family would get the activity to stop. And Clara was hopeful too. But after this, things got even more terrifying. One particular night, when Phil, Clara's husband, was away for the week in Buffalo, the family were all asleep in their rooms. When Clara woke up to the sound of footsteps and a woman's voice coming from downstairs. It was late. She thought her kids had gone to bed too, but was going to get up to tell them to go back to bed. She got up, and as she made her way down the dark hallway, she again heard the sound of someone moving around downstairs. As she got to the staircase, she looked down and watched as a figure of a woman walked down the first floor hallway towards the crawl space. She stood frozen for a moment, then walked down the stairs to the crawl space door to find it closed. She opened it, found nothing. Thinking this could have been her daughter, Tina, she made her way towards her room, but when she opened up her door, she was surprised to find Tina was in bed, sound asleep. It wasn't her. So who was it that Clara saw? It was around this time that Tina herself had her first experience with an entity. That next morning, after seeing that dark figure in the hallway, Tina woke up, got out of bed to feed her pet bird. She then sat down in her vanity to start getting ready for the day. As she was brushing her hair, she noticed that her bird wasn't making its usual whistling sound. She looked over and saw that her bird was fixated, staring at something in the corner of the room. Tina glanced back at the oval mirror and saw the ghost of a young girl staring at her. Tina said this girl had no eyes and a sunken face. She screamed and watched as the apparition disappeared. On another occasion, Phil was home and Clara felt better that her husband was back and hoped that the activity would die down. That evening, Mike was out with some friends and Tina had gone to sleep. Phil and Clara were watching TV in the front room when they heard some commotion outside. They head out with a flashlight, look around, and don't see anything, just find some raccoons. And as they turn to start to make their way back inside, they look up to see a figure of a young girl in their living room window staring at them and watch as she vanishes. They run back inside and call out for their daughter, Tina, quickly making their way to her room, where horrifyingly, Clara and Phil find her seemingly possessed, staring into that oval mirror. Clara said her daughter's eyes were dark black. She began shaking Tina, calling out her name, but she is completely unresponsive. Finally, a few moments later, Tina snapped back, but had no memory of what had happened. At this time, they start to hear something coming from upstairs, like someone's walking around up there. 
Phil goes up to investigate, and Mike calls home. Clara tells him about what's going on, and Mike said he's on the way home with his friend Randy. The boys get back to the house, Mike bringing Randy inside with him, explaining to him that his family is really scared and some unexplainable things have been going on. So the group is all in the front room of the house discussing what to do next, when suddenly, the light goes out in the room leaving them standing in darkness, even though they can see the power was still on in other parts of the house. The family is standing at the base of the stairway when they begin to hear a scratching sound coming from that crawl space underneath the steps. Phil takes the flashlight and the group goes to investigate. Slowly, they open up the door and are shocked. They find tons of bricks from the fireplace had been stacked in a pile on the floor. This was heavy lifting. Who had done this? Claire asked Phil if he had been working on the crawl space without her knowing, and he was insistent that he hadn't done this. This just made no sense. Mike and Tina both denied even being in the crawl space since they moved in. Clara realized that whatever it was, was very strong. She calls Father Al. In the days following, he comes back to the Dandy House and brings along a respected psychic medium named Alex Tanis. Alex was well-known in the paranormal community, his abilities even being studied at the American Society for Psychic Research. Alex was given very little information about the home and the haunting, wanting to get a fresh read on it all. Everyone hoped that he could give more insight into what was going on. Clara walks Father Al and Alex through the home, and he is immediately drawn to one area, the crawl space. There, Alex closes his eyes and begins seeing visions of numerous dead bodies stacked within that crawl space. He tells the family that many people have died in this house, feeling the presence of seven different spirits. He said some died of natural causes, but some were murdered. Alex tells them that through his visions, he has shown that this property used to be a stopping point for stagecoach passengers. And he saw that someone nearby, a criminal or gang of criminals, robbed and killed unsuspecting passengers, and their bodies were placed in the crawl space of the home until they could be buried. This is pretty horrifying, and Clara believes this could explain the activity in the home. The group, led by Father Al, pray for these seven spirits that they may find peace. And after this, as Alex and Father Al were leaving, Clara said she actually felt better and said the energy in the house seemed to shift. But Mike wasn't so sure. He and his friend Randy went back into the woods to look for proof that there was a track in this area. He wanted evidence that this was an old stagecoach stopping area. The two had been out there for 30 minutes or so. They looked up to see these strange, mysterious orbs of light coming from in between the trees in the forest. And Randy started having problems breathing, claiming it felt like someone had him in a bear hug, restricting his airway. They ran back inside to tell Clara about what had happened. And although she initially thought that whatever Alex had done helped, she wasn't so sure now. And then things took a near-death turn for Mike. Clara was at home one day when there was a knock at the door. She opened it up to find a police officer standing on her doorstep. He informed her that her son Mike had been in a car accident and was in a coma in the ICU. In this accident, Mike suffered a serious head injury and a ruptured spleen. Hauntingly at the hospital, the state trooper came up to Clara and Phil and said that at the scene of the car accident, as he pulled Mike from the vehicle, Mike claimed that there was someone in the car with him when he crashed. The trooper said they searched for this other passenger, but were never able to locate anyone. 
Clara was adamant that Mike had left alone that day. Mike eventually woke up from his coma weeks later, and Clara blamed whatever was in the house and in the woods for his accident, always feeling like this entity was physically powerful and was in the car that day when Mike crashed, causing the accident. After Mike was back home, Father Al and Alex Tannis made one last attempt to clear the spirits in the Dandy's home. The two do a walkthrough, and Alex gets visions of multiple spirits inside the house. One, a young girl who was sick, also a teenager around 18 years old. The description fitting the teenage boy Mike and his friends saw walking around the woods when they first moved in. Alex also gets visions of one particularly angry spirit there, a young woman who claimed she used to live in the home. She insisted she didn't want to leave, nor does she want the other spirits to leave either. With the resistance they're getting, Father Al and Alex feel that the only option for them is to prepare a common exorcism, the most extreme measure Father Al can take on his own. So Father Al, Alex, and the family all join hands, saying a prayer, trying to expel the negative, evil energy in the home. This was a last-ditch effort. And after this, the family claimed that the home became peaceful for the next few months, similar to when they first moved in. Months passed, and the dandies believed that maybe, finally, this was over. But later that year, the haunting began again. The family again beginning to hear and see things around the home and in the woods, feeling that heavy, dark presence. As word circulated in Hensdale about the strange happenings in the Dandy home, a local paper reached out to the family to get their side of the story. And the Dandies thought that someone would hear about their experiences and want to help. So the family agreed and put out a statement about the haunting. But once the family's story was made public, the paper and residents in town became nasty towards them, ridiculed the family. And it was clear that no one was reaching out to help them. In fact, the opposite. The reaction from their community made them feel even more isolated. Eventually, the family felt like they had no other choice but to move. The paranormal activity starting back up again they had enough. The dandies put the haunted Hensdale house on the market, but with no buyer, they had to declare bankruptcy. And after, Clara and Phil divorced. After the dandies moved out, the home sat empty and fell into a state of disrepair, before it was eventually purchased by Daniel Class, who opened up the home for paranormal investigations. The home is staged in a 1970s-type flair to keep it authentic to when the hauntings initially began. In years since, many have reported paranormal activity inside the home. Disembodied voices, seeing apparitions. One of the most widely discussed theories among those who have investigated the Hensdale house is that the house was used as a stagecoach inn, and travelers were murdered either close by or inside the home. Thus, their spirits stay connected to the land, the woods, and the house. There is evidence that there was indeed a stagecoach route that ran nearby the home. Whether or not the Hensdale house was used as an inn hasn't been verified. There was also a murder in the year 2000 nearby the home. Many believe that whatever is haunting those woods, the land, is still there, still wreaking havoc. Just like the Dandy family, many people who visit the Hensdale house also report that odd feeling of being watched from the tree line of the woods. And Clara Dandy, later Clara Miller, went on to write a book called Echoes of a Haunting, A House in the Country. 
It's quite chilling what transpired in the Hinsdale home because as Clara said, the house provided no warning from the beginning. Everything was fine when they first toured the house. Clara and the family felt like this was going to be a peaceful new chapter of their life. It was like as soon as they moved in, something awoke in those woods. And from then on, it just got worse. Eventually, following them inside the home, where the family was then trapped in the house with the spirits. This story reminds me of Dudley Town or Blair Witch Project. Creepy. The unknown of what's out there lurking, waiting. But I gotta know, what are your thoughts on the Hinsdale haunting? Do you think you'd be up for a midnight walk through those woods? I think I could, as long as I was in a group of like 20 people and I was in the middle. I could do it then. Please. I could do it with my eyes closed. I actually would have my eyes closed because I'd be so scared. Share Avery After Dark with your friends, family, co-workers. Until next episode, this is Avery After Dark.